Hit the edge with your Premier League betting predictions. Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You can buy betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Another week, another installment of EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGold. Gareth Wheeler, Jay Gozgathor, back with you with your projections and reflections on everything to do with the Premier League. We're heading into game week 14. It's the end of October already. It's Halloween weekend as well. So let's hope these predictions and projections this week are not spooky, that they're on point. Jake, how are you? I, I should say another week, another podcast, another prime minister in your country as well. Yeah, I know. at this point, I reckon I'll be in number 10 down in street by maybe 2024. I think everyone's having a turn, it seems. So, um, yeah, <laughs> apart from that, yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, interesting week, obviously, in the Premier League. Um, I think we called quite a lot spot on, didn't we? Into Well, you did with the Spurs game. You called that one spot on. So you've leveled up the head-to-head 1-1. Well done. Um, I got the unders in, in Man United. Yeah, I did. I think that, that was my best bet of the week. Um, and West Ham covered the handicap for us as well. So yeah, really, really good, really good results. Um, the football's been interesting, hasn't it? I don't know what you think watching it, but it doesn't seem to have kicked on as I, as I would have hoped as a general um, sort of bigger picture Premier League football. I would have expected a little bit more, you know, smash, bang, wallop, but it's been very withdrawn. And I think that's just to do with the schedule, which is something we touched on last week. With the games coming fast and fierce ahead of the World Cup. By the way, this week is the Gareth Wheeler victory tour. Thank you very much. Uh, Jake beat me head to head. Arsenal, Liverpool a few weeks back. I was all over Newcastle. And and I like Newcastle from uh, a a handicap perspective. You know, 0.25, give me that. A draw is a half win. A win is just gravy. And the way that the first half played out, I'm just convinced by this Newcastle side. I still like them. This was actually my best week of the season, Jake. Five winners, including back-to-back weeks. I get a first half win as Man City, Brighton go over the total of 1.5 at plus 178. Three of my five wins on the weekend were plus numbers. We got that. We had United with the handicap of 0.25. Newcastle, as previously mentioned. Everton had drawn no bet at minus 118. That wasn't even close. And the West Ham with the handicap of a full goal at minus 101. So the only game that I was off the mark with was Leeds United just laying an egg again at home at Ellen Road against Fulham. Other than that, I, I felt good. I, 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 I have some questions about this week's board, but last oh, yeah. week, if we can keep these vibes going, it means good things in my world and your world too, if you're paying attention here. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, you know, I think, what did you say there? You went three, three or five, four or five with all the plus numbers. And um, I was four of six with just, as you said, leads just completely. Well, I don't know what's happening there. Jesse Marsh might be the next man out or he might be the next man in at number 10. We don't know. Um, <laughs> and obviously Spurs really did for me, but the, the unders in the Arsenal game was, was one of our big fancies as well. Just, just talking around the fact that Arsenal don't create a lot of chance away from home. And that, that proved to be the case. So yeah, hopefully more of the same. Um, interesting slate. I think, you know, you said it there. It's, there's some, a couple of interesting, uh, like, you know, we're hot on Newcastle. I'm particularly hot on them when they're playing at home. Um, but they play Aston Villa. We've got a new manager this week. I mean, yeah. you know, how do you how do you factor that kind of thing in? So, yeah, excited to get stuck in. Welcome back, Unai Emery. The shock result of the weekend, Forrest, it, it kicked off the weekend with a bang. Forrest plus, I guess it settled at plus 1,067 on Pinnacle with the Forrest win. I, I leaned to the under. I just couldn't get myself to make that bet. But when you were looking at that Liverpool side, a midfield of Davies, Elliott, Fabinho, uh, still a decent XG number, but Forest coming away with a massive three points. That was the one shock result of the weekend. I guess the second shock result was Aston Villa scoring goals. Gerard out, <laughs> goals in. They scored four of them in that game and their best XG total of the season. Uh, those were the two shock results. Anything else kind of surprised you about last week? Well, the, uh, you mentioned there about Villa creating chances. That's actually the f- well, first game in charge for the interim manager, and it probably seems only game given the enemies come in. But under Steven Gerrard, Aston Villa didn't create three expected goals in any game whatsoever. So the fact that it happened in the first game afterwards, um, 
yeah, uh, it, it felt like that was, was what needed to happen at Villa. The shackles seemed to be on all the time. It seems to be a very defensive-minded approach. Um, and, you know, this this new manager or the interim came in, just made a couple of changes and, and got them playing a bit more attack-minded. Made a huge difference. And the other weird um, data quirk was Leicester. They scored four goals from an XG of 0.89 yeah. and five shots. So basically every shot that they had effectively went in, um, no matter what, how the, what level of difficulty it was. Um, and that's actually, Infogol calculates a, a, a fairness metric for each result based on the quality of chances each team create. And that's actually the lowest fairness rating um, of the season so far in terms of a result for Leicester to go away to Wolves and win 4-0, concede over two expected goals and generate less than one. So yeah, um, it, Leicester is looking it's looking a bit better for them, isn't it, in terms of the results, but their process is looking really poor um, and that's something to, to bear in mind as we move forward. Well, it just so happened they played Wolves, who their XG and expected goals against specifically was completely out of whack last season. So a little bit of a market correction swung way the other way. We'll get into some of the numbers when it comes to Wolves. Um, They're an intriguing case study for me. Uh, We'll get into also the futures play in terms of relegation numbers. Uh, Arsenal with that draw on the weekend, still top of the table. They've dipped out and are now out to plus 700 to go on to win the Premier League. You kind of mentioned about the Premier League not kicking on quite yet. I had this conversation with some colleagues a few days ago. I, I just feel in the Premier League right now, there's one standout side excellent basically in every facet of the game and that's Manchester City and there's a bunch of good not great teams that are flawed in multiple ways I'll put even Arsenal in that basket as well all the way down through right through mid table really for me um that that's what makes a top 4 future play really intriguing to me because if you really like a side um, and you're seeing something that perhaps the numbers aren't showing or perhaps something that the numbers are showing and a team might be providing some value. This might be the most salient play in, in terms of a future play here in the Premier League. I, I'm not sure if there's a side that represents actual value right now. Arsenal will finish top four minus 48 Spurs minus 164 Liverpool minus 133 Chelsea minus 131. Then it's the teams on plus numbers. Newcastle's in fourth and they're coming in at plus 803 United still. They've really turned around their season plus 170 still. Is there any value there or because of, you know, what we know, maybe even more what we don't know right now about these sides, it's just a stay away for you. Um, the, the weeks, as the weeks go on, the more I'm getting convinced around two teams, both plus numbers that you mentioned there. Um, and I'll start with Newcastle, who are the biggest price. Now, I'm, I've been dismissing them quite readily in the last couple of weeks for top four. And it is obviously a big price. It's a long shot. But... I think the, the the manner in which they're playing at the moment and the fact that they've, you know, they're 12 games into the season, they've already played away at Liverpool, away at Spurs and away at Manchester United has to be seen as a huge plus because the second half of the season, they've got all those matches at home. Um, and, you know, St. James Park is one of the toughest places to go right now. So they've got a huge tick next to their name at the moment. The only thing I would like to see from to, to make Newcastle an absolute bet is a bit of investment in January. Just a little bit. It doesn't need to be a lot, just a bit, because I think that the depth isn't there. I think that there's a lot of quality. But if Bruno Gimaresh gets injured, who's going to come in and fill that role? Um, you know, we've seen St. Maxman out. It's not really had much of an impact, but there has been a drop-off in terms of the creative numbers. Um, and then obviously on the other side, Al Miron's playing out of his skin at the moment. He looks unplayable, scoring goals. If he gets injured, who steps in there? So there's there's quite a few question marks for me there. But I think the yeah, the, the way in which the schedule's fallen and the results that Newcastle have picked up in those tougher games um, definitely puts them in a, a really strong position. And the other team is Man United. Um, I think that, you know, you sort of put them and Chelsea head to head in the sense that both got new managers in, they're both trying to implement new systems and tactics. And United are just further ahead in the development at the moment. I think we saw that at the weekend. You know, Potter's in-game management and strategies and tactics, it basically stops Manchester United um, controlling the first half and then United switched it around again. Really fascinating game to watch, but I just felt that United were just a little bit in front of Chelsea and injuries at Chelsea are a big problem. 
Yeah, they've not looked the same going forward since Reese James got injured. Um, they they are really struggling to create chances. I cannot emphasize it enough. I mentioned it last week when we were talking about um, opposing goals in Chelsea matches. They are really struggling to create chances. And it was the same again at the weekend. Um, you know, if you take away the penalty, they mustered up just what around 0.6, 0.7 expected goals. So that that's not a recipe for success in this current Premier League season. Um, so yeah, I would definitely be giving the nod to United over Chelsea. I'm saying it quietly, so follow along with me here. Manchester United are the second best team in the Premier League. I know the numbers don't bear it. And we'll get into some of the numbers that stand out and they absolutely do over the course of this podcast here today. I just think that they have the potential. I think they're better and deeper than the teams ahead of them. Uh, in and around the table. And I like that Newcastle play plus 803, a side that can absolutely invest come January. I think they absolutely will. Top manager, top play, some top performances as well. Only lost one loss on the season thus far. I I do think that the other team, I know you've dismissed Arsenal in the title race and I'm I'm completely with you. I think if they're still in and around the first, second kind of mark, if they're around Manchester City's coattails, they'll invest in the January window as well. Mm. Um, It looks as though they're going to be a near shoe in to finish in the top four for next season's Champions League. They can afford to spend more money because of all the revenue they'll get extra from the Champions League. So they could be one to watch out for in the January market that maybe kick on because it's the same thing with with the teams we just mentioned in terms of the depth, isn't it? I mean, you know, if, if Odegaard gets injured or Party gets injured, you're bringing in Lakonga and Emil Smith Rowe, and it's not quite at the same level. So yeah, I I would be watching out for Arsenal if they're if they're still in and around the the, the you know first, second, third within five six points of City, which I don't think they will be. Um, then they they could well splash the cash and and really look to kick on. Uh, also on Newcastle, no European football. The only one of those sides that that don't have yes, it. We'll see what plus. EFL Cup and the FA Cup ring, but uh, a, a significant plus for uh, top four side already in Newcastle at plus 803 on Pinnacle. The relegation battle, it's a race for the bottom, but you know, all these sides are just picking up a few points here and there. It's, it's very congested at the bottom. Uh, for relegation, Forest minus 249, Bournemouth minus 140, Southampton at plus 225, Wolves at plus 250, Leeds at plus 350. Everton at plus 426. Are you seeing any value in those numbers, Jake? Um, I, I worry for Southampton out of all those teams. Um, Southampton and Wolves, I think they'd, they'd be the two I'm most concerned about. I, I've said from the very start, that well, we both have, that Bournemouth, uh, we, we think, are the worst team in the league. The underlying metrics are showing that. It's just the actual tail at the minute. They picked up a few points extra than, the, than they should have, but they should be rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the bottom of the chance creation metrics. Um, you know, I think that they're bottom of the oh, no, sorry, Everton are just ahead of them in the chance uh, conceding metrics. So it's not looking good for Bournemouth. Um, I've always been a little bit, um, I guess you could say generous with Nottingham Forest. I, I'm, I was willing that, to give them a poor start to the season just purely because of the number of players that they brought in. I wasn't expecting them to kick on from the start and really rack up the points and, and you know, well clear of safety already. Um, I thought it'd be a struggle at the start and then they'd find their feet. So I'm still giving them the nod because I think the quality that they brought in in the summer is enough to keep them up. And, and I rate Steve Cooper as a manager. So the fact that they are odds on, even though they're only two points from safety right now, I think is a little bit um, too short of a price. So I would be looking at opposing Nottingham Forest for relegation. Wolves are a really interesting one because... Um, their underlying metrics are equally as bad. Um, not they're not terrible, but it's just the the continuous uncertainty um, around the managerial position. I know they've said that the, the the caretaker manager could be in charge until the new year. Is that really helpful for the players, or would they rather have a you know a new voice in now? Um, then you've got Leeds, who have really spiralled after what looked a, a good start. They just can't seem to keep clean sheets at the minute. Um, but I still trust in Jesse Marsh and his process because the process is is good. They've only had a couple of really bad games um, where they've looked really, well, outplayed. Uh, one of those being against Aston Villa. Obviously, they played against 10 men. Um, but the rest of the games have been really competitive and just had you know one or two breaks go their way and they've been in a different position altogether. Mm. Southampton, the ones that I was, I was very sceptical of at the start of the season, the recruitment, you know, some of the players they brought in look fantastic, don't they? But they're, they're young, they're inexperienced, and they started racking up injuries as well, which is not what they need. Um, I, I think that they're, they're a very vulnerable team. Interesting. I actually have a soft spot for Southampton. I actually think they play decent football. And 
I don't know. I'm a Hassan Hoodle fan. Like I, I actually back this manager, despite the nine nil losses, some of the criticism that goes his way. He's the most difficult task based upon what you said about the way that they rebuild with young players. There's no real sure bets coming into the team, but I think they've done well and they continue to pick up enough points. And I think they'll be okay. I, I think Forrest is going down. I think the best bet of in terms of value is Bournemouth at minus 140. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Like they, they just don't have the squad. I think they have the weakest squad in the Premier League. And now it's starting to show a little bit over these last few weeks. The one I circle is Wolves at plus 250. Come on. They scored five goals on the season. No manager, no striker. No identity, no chance. I just, Wolves were lucky to finish where they were last season. And I think it's going to manifest itself in relegation at plus 250. That's a decent number for me to wrap my head around, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with the Wolves pick. I I just, my only hesitancy with backing Wolves um, at this stage of the season is that we could get to the new year. They could bring in a new Portuguese manager who's fantastic. And I actually don't think the squad of players that they've got there is that bad. I think it's a, there's, there's some players in that team that would probably get into top half Premier League teams. Um, there's obviously some deficiencies in there, but I do think that if, if the right manager is appointed at Wolves, I think they'd cruise through uh, uh, and get safe. Leicester's the only other team we've not really touched on. Um, they're one team that I said at the start of the season, last last time around um, in the what we 2021 campaign, they actually ranked as the third worst team based on expected goal. Um, so they should have finished third bottom. They finished in the top half. So this kind of fall from grace, if you'd like, was was forecasted by the underlying numbers. And right now, they're performing like the fourth worst team in the Premier League. So if they carry on the way in which they are, they're going to be in this relegation battle for a long period of time for you know most of the season. You just feel they've got enough quality in forward areas, don't you, to, to fire them to safety. But I don't think it'll be as uh, as easy as what many people think. No. Uh, we'll see what the World Cup brings. You know, honestly, seven weeks off. Um, that'll have an impact for players who are playing in the World Cup and who aren't. I don't think we'll actually have a clear picture in fairness to until towards the end of January, but we'll see. It's a, it's an odd year, but I think that the sides that are vulnerable, they're starting to show why um, they are over recent weeks. Uh, let's get into this week's fixtures. As always, your best odds are found at pinnacle.com. We'll go through our feature five, then we'll go rapid fire for the final five. And let's start off with Saturday from the King Power. It's 17th place, Leicester City, facing second place, Manchester City. Leicester City, a 4-0 victory at Wolves. But like Jake said earlier, just a 0.89 XG in that game. They've only lost one out of the last five in October. It's been a good month for them in fairness. And they've won two games in a row. And they haven't conceded in three. And that's saying something the way that they've been shipping goals, at least to start the season. They've got over the two and a half goal total in five of seven. First half winner in four of five. They have the sixth most goals scored in the Premier League with 21. Yet they're second last in XG. So perhaps riding their luck to a certain degree. And Didi and Evans on track to make returns potentially this weekend. City, it was a three, uh, one win over Brighton at home. A ho-hum, another Erling Holland brace. He's up to 17 goals in 11 games. 36 goals for City, 11 conceded. Those are the best in those respective categories. They also have the best XG and the best expected goals against in the Premier League as well. Over the two and a half goal total in six of eight. First to score in five of seven. First half winner in five of seven as well. Last year in this fixture, a 6-3 win for City in this game. Plus 900 for a Leicester City win. Plus 509 for a draw. Minus 330 for an away win. The handicap is set at 1.75. One minus 109 uh for uh, Leicester City to cover that number, uh, minus 101 for City to cover that number. The goal total set at 3.25, minus 110 for the over, minus 102 for the under. Is there a play here to be made in this game, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to take um, Man City minus one and a half in the Asian handicap. So the line set at 1.75. I'm, I'm taking um, a little bit of a lower line at 1.5. Comes out around minus 132. Um, yeah, I, I'm just happy to to take Leicester on in any form at the moment because the way in which they're playing right now, the way in which they're performing is unsustainable. They, you're not going to score four goals from five shots um, equating to 0.9 expected goals every single week. Um, you know, it, especially against this Manchester City team, you're not going to get that many good chances at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all over City covering. Um, the other massive concern I have with Leicester is defensively. I know they've, they've looked a little bit better 
in the last couple of weeks, um, as you said, clean sheets have come, but they have still conceded chances. Um, I think Leeds, 1.2 expected goals. Obviously, Wolves at the weekend, over two expected goals conceded. Um, and this Manchester City team are just rolling at the moment. As you said, they, they look a class above uh, the rest of the Premier League. Um, and I, I just think that they'll go to Leicester, do a, do a job. It, it could well be one of those really high-scoring City-Leicester matches as what we've seen in, in recent years. Uh, but I think Leicester, uh, Manchester City will win by two clear goals because they're far superior to what Leicester have got. And um, you know, the underlying process, as you've said, is, is the best in the league, creating an abundance of chances. And, and when you've got a player like Erling Haaland in there to finish them, um, then you know your chances of scoring two or three are, are really increased. And the way in which Leicester are attacking, I'm not expecting them to score. I, I was toying between City on the handicap or City win to nil. They were they were the two I was looking at, and, and I just thought the safer option, given the fact that City are tending to be a little bit more you attack, we attack, you attack, as opposed to controlled as they have been in the last couple of seasons. I just felt leaning towards the handicap made more sense. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fi- I'm fine with that. Uh, minus one point seven five as well, basically at even odds. Um, I'm back to back weeks. I hit a first half winner and I'm going to go with the first half game here as well. What a week. That's as far as I'll go, but we'll go over the total of 1.5 total goals in the first half. Again, at plus 113, like city in first half goals, just track it through this Premier League season. It's not just them. It's their opponent as well. Brighton could have had goals at the Etihad last weekend. Just the city team just screams goals. Two goals to be scored in the first half, and you can that plays at plus one thirteen. It's a no brainer for me. That's my bet in this game. Yeah, yeah. I like you said the, the trends are that City are flying out the blocks at the moment, and um, yeah, there's no reason to suggest that won't happen again here because Leicester are a very vulnerable defense. Yep, uh, that's all I got for this one. I don't think Leicester has a chance in this one. Uh, perhaps cue, we'll cue the twelve fifty upset like uh, last week. Yeah. <laughs> Plus 900 is no plus 1,067, Nottingham Forest, Liverpool, no, but still, uh, we'll see. Leicester City's been on a decent run, um, but City just too good for me. Um, this should be a really good game on the weekend, and it's a statement game. Grand Potter playing his former side. It's Brighton's hosting Chelsea from the Amex. Brighton coming off a 3-1 loss to City, but it was a good effort. Like They came out to play football against City, and they pushed the home side and the, you know, for me, the best money, the best team in the Premier League, Man City to the limit. Uh, but Brighton are winless in their last five. They've had a better XG than their opponent in three of those five games, however. They have the fifth best expected goal differential in the Premier League. And their expected league position on info goal is third. Probably because they have the third best expected goals against in the Premier League as well at 13.6. They have, however, been the first to concede in five of their last seven games. And Joel Veltman is a little bit of a doubt for this game as well. Uh, Chelsea, Potter makes his return. That's going to be the headline. But this team just not looking like a powerhouse side really over recent weeks. A 1-1 result against Manchester United. Back-to-back draws. That was a home result. They conceded late to Casemiro. They haven't lost in their last six in the Premier League, but they failed to convince. They've gone under the goal total of two and a half and four of five um, ahead of their Champions League game in against RB Salzburg on Tuesday. They have the 13th best XG in the Premier League, 15.9 in 11 games. And now Koulibaly, the center back, is a little bit of a question through injury uh, for this upcoming weekend. Three straight draws head-to-head between Brighton and Chelsea, 1-1, 1-1, and goalless. Chelsea, however, hasn't lost in their last 11 to Brighton and have been first to score in this matchup nine out of 10 times. Although these two sides have gone under the goal total of two and a half and six of seven, both teams have scored in five of six. There's some value to be had here. It just depends on what side you're going to find yourself on. Plus 191 for a home win, plus 237 for the draw, plus 162 for an away win. Um, The handicap set at nil. At nothing, zero, plus 107 for Brighton, minus 116 for Chelsea, which basically turns out to be a draw, no bet. 2.25, a low goal total is set in this game, minus 117 for the over, plus 106 for the under. What do you like here? Potter going back to the Amex. What's your feel? What's your read for this game, Jake? Uh, I am toying with two two selections. Um, One being... 
just rinse and repeat from last week and take the under 2.5 goals. I think it's at minus 125 at the minute. The other being to get Brighton on the handicap uh, at plus no. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a team that I'm very, very sweet on still. Um, the performances haven't deterred me really. You know, you, you say they're winless in five. They've played Liverpool, Spurs, uh, Man City in there and and you know, against Brentford, they were unfortunate to lose. Forest, they deserve to win maybe 2-0. Um, and, you know, a Chelsea team who I mentioned at the top of the show, not really impressed with them at all um, under Graham Potter. They, they've played eight matches since his arrival, um, just across Champions League and Premier League. Um, obviously, they played tonight. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Under two and a half landed in six of those eight. So that you know massive tick in the under 2.5 line. Um, but yeah, across those matches, they've, they've been generally solid. They've allowed 1.04 non-penalty expected goals against per game. But going forward, they've managed just 1.37 non-penalty expected goals for per game, which is a really, really disappointing figure. You know, we'd expect to see from a top four contender, we'd expect that to be around the 1.8, 1.9. Um, and it seems to be getting worse as well. So they, they racked up 2.12 non-penalty XG against Wolves, 1.64 AC Milan, 1.38 at Aston Villa, 1, 0.56 to Brentford, and then 0.58 to Manchester United. So it's almost a very steep decline um, in terms of the fact that they're just not creating anything of note. Um, now that that's a massive concern for me. I know Brighton are not the, you know, the most secure team defensively, but the underlying numbers show you. I think you said there that they're third, ranked third based on expected goals against, which is you know, in the entire league. That's something that's that's you know worth noting when a very blunt Chelsea team go to Brighton. So um, yeah, and then the other reason why I'm looking at getting Brighton on side is that their home form has been. You know, it, it, the form has not been great. One, two, drawn two, lost one, but the performances have been really impressive. Um, they actually ranked fifth as the fifth best home team in the entire league based on expected goal difference. They're creating plenty of chances, limiting very well. Um, you know, you're talking over two expected goals for per game, 0.65 against. So one of the very best home teams in the league taking on a very blunt Chelsea team who have struggled away from home. So, yeah, I, I, I think if you'd have asked me this question or if you'd have told me that Chelsea would be around this price three, four weeks ago, I'd have been all over Chelsea. But, um, yeah, the way in which things have turned out, the fact that Chelsea are really struggling in attack and the fact that the, the results have kind of papered over the cracks a little bit means that we can actually get a decent enough price on Brighton. Brighton on the handicap for me. Adversaries last week were back on the same page, Jake. <laughs> um, I rate this Brighton side. I thought they did really well against City last week. There's nothing that I've seen under Deserby that would have take me off them at this point, despite the results not going their way. They're actually due. And it actually is tempting to play Brighton for an outright win at plus 191. If that line moves, if Chelsea plays well in the Champions League, that moves to plus 200 or something. I'll probably end up making that play, to be honest with you. I'm not having Chelsea right now. They really miss Reese James. I'm not having Graham Potter right now. I don't think he knows what to do. He, like, he was widely praised for making that first half change, bringing on Kovacic, taking off Kukurela because it wasn't working. That system wasn't working against United. Well, why was he surprised? It was basically the exact same United side that's played week after week. If, if he was so convinced, why didn't he just start with that team from the get-go? It made no sense for me. For a player that did well having players like McAllister and Trossard for Brighton, he has no idea what to do with Kai Havertz. Like this, this guy's like all world, yet no Chelsea manager knows what to do with the player. Aubameyang's not the answer. I'm just not buying this Chelsea side. I'm much more high on Brighton than I am Chelsea right now. So if you're going to give me a plus number for basically a draw, no bet, I'll take it. I'm going to snatch your hand off for it. Yeah, look at us making up after last week. Two games, <laughs> two agreements. <laughs> well done. Way to jump back on the right side of the equation, Jake. I applaud you for that. Anything else on this or can we move forward? No, no. I think we've covered it well there. Yeah. Massive question marks around Chelsea. Let's go straight to St. James's Park. Newcastle fourth place taking on Unai Emery. Welcome back to the Premier League. Castle. Puff my chest out a little bit. A 2-1 victory <laughs> over Spurs. Almiron, like you said, unplayable at times. Who needs St. Maximum when you have uh, Almiron? 
goals in four of his last five games. Um, that's four wins in five for Newcastle. No losses in seven. In fact, just one loss on the season. Don't need to remind you where that loss came. Third best XG in the Premier League, 22.5. Uh, fourth in expected goal differential as well, plus 7.1. They've gone first to score in four of five and been the first half winner in four of five as well. Villa, like I said, Gerard out goals in. A 4-0 win over Brentford, 3.48 XG. Their best XG of the season. Also no Notable, Ramsey, McGinn, Coutinho, all relegated to the bench in that game as well. Uh, they've gone under the two and a half goal total in two of five, but who knows? This is going to be Unai Emery's first game in charge. Will there be a new manager bounce here? Head to head, 1-0 last season, 2-0 in the reverse fixture, a win for each. And these two sides have gone under the goal total of two and a half in games that they've played. Ten of their last ten. Minus 114 for a home win, plus 275 for a draw, plus 349 for an away win. Uh, The handicap is set at just half a goal, minus 114. Essentially, it's a Newcastle win right there. Uh, Minus 114, plus 106 for a Villa away win. The goal total set at 2.5, minus 103 for the over, minus 107 for the under. Does Emery coming in change the way that you feel about this game at all? Massively, yeah, completely. Um, it's just a different caliber of coach to what they've had previously. Yeah. You know, it's a massive upgrade uh, and it's a massive coup as well because obviously he was still at Villarreal. Um, and yeah, to bring him in is, yeah, that, that's that's really impressive. Um, it, it might take him a couple of windows to get them away once because I think the players that they've got there in particular areas um, won't be up to his, his standards, but it definitely means that they're, they are a wild card this weekend in terms of what we to, what to expect. Even more, even more so than last last week, probably. Um, last week could maybe be seen as a flash in the pan. Um, uh, ex, you know, a big sigh of relief from all the players heading into the game. Bit of freedom. This week it'll be the opposite. It'll be you know what 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 soon am we going to be bringing to the table? What kind of systems are you going to set this team up in? We know at Villarreal he likes a four four two. Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings maybe playing down the middle together. He generally at Villarreal, he had a lot of interesting wide players, wingers that he didn't used to play very often. He used to play four sort of central midfielder-ish types across the middle, um, which would maybe suit playing Coutinho left, Wendia right, and two midfielders in the middle and make things a little bit narrow, attack with the fullback. So really fascinating. Um, I'd literally, before the announcement, I had Newcastle to win down as, you know, a bet. I think they were... They were a very backable price. Um, as soon as the announcement was made, I uh, quickly deleted it. Backspace, 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 <laughs> and rewrote a no bet because you know, for as good as Newcastle have been, um, I respect Emery that much that I am not willing to to jump in and and you know back Newcastle to beat Villa. Uh, you know, the new manager bounce is a, is a myth. I'm pretty sure there's been quite a lot of things written on Pinnacle about um, about the, the new manager bounce. But when you are upgrading the coach um, to someone who is very, very good at setting up teams defensively and making them really difficult to beat, that's a big red flag for me from a betting perspective. And, and I'm happy to just take a watching brief. You know, I'd, I'd be surprised if Newcastle lost the game because, as I've said, St. James's Park has been an absolute fortress under Eddie Howe. They've actually lost just two of 20 at home under Eddie Howe. Wow. And those two games came against Man City and Liverpool last season. So no other team outside the big two um, uh, has beaten them at home. So I'd be very surprised if Villa went there and won, but I've still got my doubts around, um, or enough doubts, enough nagging doubts because of Bruno Emery to, to just make this a no bet for me. Uh, I completely agree with you on Emery. Uh, Arsenal supporters just say, is this the same? Not, what? Um, but, You're the but, guy that but, left you and went to win the Europa League. That's it. Yes, exactly. I, I agree with you on that. I'm tempted by the under. I really am at minus 107. I have it circled with a question mark. But because of the new manager, I'm just not quite sure. I think this is going to be a no bet for me. But if I was to make a play, it would be under the goal total of two and a half. Let's see. Too much, uh, too many variables that I'm just not quite sure about ahead of this game. Uh, let's move on to let's move on to Anfield, Liverpool, and Leeds. Two sides with different types of problems, but problems nonetheless. Liverpool coming off a one 0 loss at Forest, their third loss of the season, their eighth place. They're actually four four and three on the season. It's just incredible. Um, they still did have a two point five two xg in that game. 
it's the defensive problems uh, that continue to be a concern. They've actually gone over two expected goals in each and every one of their last four games. Their central midfield of Elliot Fabinho and Jones. Yikes. Tiago was out through injury. He might be back next weekend. We'll see. Same thing with Darwin Nunez, but there's a Champions League game at Ajax and then home to Napoli to consider for Jurgen Klopp with a very depleted side. They're undefeated at home. This Anfield effect, it's real. They have the best XG in the Premier League, 15.6 in six home games so far. Um, And that's a bad sign for a Leeds United side that loves to ship very ugly, very cheap goals. They're 18th. They lost 3-2 to Fulham at home, nine points, joint worst with Wolves and Forest, four straight losses, no wins in eight, no clean sheets in four, yet their XG and expected goals against, they're basically around mid-table. Like they're not awful in terms of the way that this team is play is playing. Just the results have been a nightmare. Tyler Adams continues to be a question. Liverpool head to head against Leeds haven't lost in their last 12 and have been the first to score in their last five Leeds, no clean sheets against Liverpool in their last 16 games. In fact, the last time they won at Anfield was that very good side back in 2001 and a 2-1 win in May of that year. Minus 276 for a Liverpool win, plus 477 for a draw, plus 746 for an away win. The handicap is set at minus a goal and a half, minus 111 for Liverpool to cover it, plus 102 for Leeds to cover it. The goal total, it's high, 3.5, minus 104 for the over, minus 106 for the under. Uh, for the under. Plenty of questions about both sides here. Do you have any answers, Jake, about where to go this weekend? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm going to take the overs on the goal line. Um, you said it's high at 3.5. I think that that could be an absolute gift this weekend. Wow. Um, you know, we, we spoke, you, you think I'm crazy looking at the results, the fact that Liverpool are, uh, you know, three one nils in a row. But though none of those matches have been one nil games, um, you know, I think the, the, the City game saw an XG total of 3.6. Um, the West Ham game saw an XG total of over five. And the Forest game, just under five. So these are games that are wide open with chances at both ends. And the only reason we've not seen more goals is that the, both teams have not been clinical enough. That will change because, you know, ultimately that's what expected goals are there for. It's to help identify trends and, and potential regressions. And if that if they continue to do the same thing and concede and create these unbelievable number of chances, um, then we're going to see Liverpool in more 2-2, 3-2 kind of games than these 1-0s. So um, I, there's every reason to think it might start this weekend. I think they'll be well up for this Liverpool in what happened. You've said the Anfield factor there. Um, is huge. Depending on what happens in midweek against Ajax, could determine um, you know the, the, what what can happen in Napoli if Liverpool go and draw Ajax and Napoli beat Rangers. Then all of a sudden Liverpool are guaranteed second. They can't finish first in the group, and it means that there can be rotation for that game. For something to fact, um, but they're playing Leeds, and, and Leeds just look as hopeless as Liverpool defensively. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we, we rate full. The, the mistakes are amateur, aren't they? Like they're just they are, yeah. They, they they just seem to be really easy to create chances against. Um, you know, on the, on the same token, they 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 are a team that do play on the front foot and do create chances as well. So I think this has got the recipe of being a really high scoring game. Um, and if it's not high scoring, there will be a lot of chances that are either missed or saved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they you know the way in which Liverpool are attacking at Anfield is is at the same level as what we've seen for the last two, three years, you know, around that 2.6 expected goals for per game mark. The only difference is that they're conceding more chances and that's that's what makes these games a little bit tighter than perhaps yesteryear. So, um, yeah, I, I've got this down as a 3-2 kind of game, a 4-2, a 3-1, um, something like that. So I just thought over 3.5 was, while it's a short price, I think it's very, very backable. It's a no bet for me. I'm not touching this game. There's a whole lot of yuck and stay away for me here. I'm not going to argue with, I, I understand that Liverpool won here six nil last season against Leeds. It could very well play out that way. Just too many injuries, too many variables at the time of recording here with the champions league, just not knowing who's going to play for Liverpool this weekend. Like I just, I, so many injuries to this Jurgen Klopp side and with big games against Ajax and Napoli, 
sandwiched around this fixture. I just don't even know what this side is going to look like. I just, I, I don't like leads as well for the aforementioned reasons, although they're good for a goal. I just, I, I, nothing in this game for me. I, I'll, I will happily stay away from this one. The fact, the fact you mentioned there that it's sandwiched around these, you know, between two massive Champions League games only increases my, my, you know, fancy for the overs because if there is rotation, then Leeds will fancy the chances of getting a result and they'll be going a bit more attack-minded. Um, and then all of a sudden Liverpool will have to wake up and be attack-minded. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we could be seeing quite a lot of goals. We've seen a fair few big goal totals in Leeds away matches already this season. You know, four four goals at Southampton in a in a 2-2. They had a 5-2 at Brentford. Um, at Crystal Palace, who were not notoriously a high-scoring team, it was a 2-1. So, yeah, I, I think this could be... Um, it's not going to get out of hand. It's not going to be, you know, 6-3 or whatever, um, but it could well be very, very high. I know this is being billed as Jesse Marsh's last stand. Keep an eye on Jurgen Klopp here because... Ajax is a tricky fixture. They lose that after losing to Forest. Leeds United, what if a shock result? I'm not saying it will, but what if it does? Jurgen Klopp's future, I think there will start to be some questions about the way that he's managed this side. Just something to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not saying it will happen, but the chorus will continue to raise its voice. I don't think anything, no matter what, for Liverpool, even Leeds, I, I don't do anything before the World Cup break in, in in terms of any rash decisions. But, you know, like I said, eighth place, four, four and three for Liverpool. Like for a team that was considered neck and neck for with Man City to go on and win a title, it's just be nowhere near good enough. And some warts are starting to show. Um let's go to Old Trafford and move to the only one of two Sunday fixtures this week. Manchester United, sixth place, face West Ham in 10th. Really looking forward to this one. United 1-1 at Chelsea. They're undefeated in their last four. No uh, uh, losses in their last six in all competitions. It was a tricky week, and United came out of it with five points. Newcastle Spurs at home, then away to Chelsea. This is the most incredible number when it comes to Manchester United. On the season thus far, 16 goals for, 16 goals conceded. Their expected goals for. 16.61. What's their expected goals against? 16.1. So 16.1. Identical across the board. It's it's identical across the board across the board according to info goals um, numbers and calculations here. Let me just say that again because I think I jumbled it. Sixteen point one in terms of expected goals for on the season. Sixteen point one in expected goals against. They've gone under the two and a half goal total in four of their last five. Ronaldo may be back. Maguire, Wambasaka, Martial, Van de Beek all training. Varane is out through the World Cup window. They play Sheriff. Uh, in the Europa League on Thursday. West Ham, we documented last week, their numbers are looking good. 2-0 victory over Bournemouth. They've gone over 2 in XG in their last four games, but under the goal total of 2.5 in 6 of 8. Their expected league position, according to InfoGoal, fourth for David Moyes' side. Just one win away from home, four points away overall in six games, but their XG is 10 in away games, and that is third best. So not being rewarded for the work that they put in. They play in the Conference League on Thursday. Corday and Dawson are close and may return this weekend. Uh, United won this fixture 1-0 last season, but... West Ham did win 1-0 in the EFL Cup at Old Trafford last season. And these two sides have gone under the two and a half goal total in four of their last five. Minus 141 with a home win with United, plus 313 for the draw, plus 407 for a West Ham away win. The handicap is set at 0.75, minus 109 for United, plus 101 for West Ham. The goal total set at 2.75, plus 105 for the over, minus 116 for the under. Does United keep this rolling here or is there enough to show just in terms of your data, uh, the underlying numbers when it comes to West Ham, that they're the logical play to make in this game? Yeah, de- definitely the latter of those two. Um, I think United are a bit short, to be honest. Um, I know you think the, the, you know, you whispered it very quietly that United <laughs> are the second best team in the league. I do. Um, I, so. I actually think that West Ham are a lot closer to the Manchester United than the odds are suggesting here. Um, I, I think West Ham are one of those teams where, you know, they, they really struggled at the start of the season because of the 
heavy workload from last season. I think it was still caught up with them. They were obviously integrating a fair few new players. I think they'll kick on now. I've, I think they could really push for a top six finish this season. Um, they, they've got so much quality in forward areas. And, you know, you're looking now and, and Antonio's got competition with Skamaka. Skamaka's actually keeping Antonio out of the team at the moment. because he's Well, he's an so actual good. striker. And and obviously their, 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 their fortunes have turned with an actual number nine starting in the team. Uh, I'll not have a bad word to say about Sheffield Wednesday legend, Mikel Antonio. Um, Just just not a traditional number nine. I I, I just, I think he's more of a a secondary striker rather than a focal point. Yeah. He's always a wide player when he was playing, um, you know, for, for, for Wednesday, when he was at Forest, he was a winger at Reading. Um, and I, there's every chance we might see him used there more as the season progresses for West Ham as, as part of a rotational from three, if you like, um, because, you know, they've got Bowen, they've got Ben Rama, but after that, they're a bit light on, on wide players corner if he's out injured. Um, I just, I just like the way they're set up um, at the moment. I think they've, they've really found a groove. Their attacks taken off in terms of the chance creation. That was a major issue I had with them at the start of the season. They weren't creating anywhere near the number of chances what we saw the previous season. But in you know, the last, well, it's basically since the international break. I mean, David Moyes must have given them a right rocket during the international break because they've come out looking like a completely different team. Um, obviously, they've won three of those matches. Really unfortunate not to beat Southampton um, as well. Dominated that match. And, and they're really unfortunate to lose at Liverpool. Um, so in theory, they should be coming into this game with probably four wins and a draw. Um, it's three wins, a draw and a loss, which is still a decent return. But as I've said, that they're racking up the good chances. Fulham, three and a half XG over two expected goal against Southampton. 2.6 XG at Liverpool, which I think is something that, you know, we've seen Liverpool concede a lot of chances regularly, but still at Anfield, it's, it's no mean feat that. Um, and then, yeah, dominating a poor Bournemouth team. So I, I think that they could really do um, a bit of damage to Manchester United. Now, I don't think that they, I'm not picking them to go and win. I'm taking them on the handicap. I think it's plus three quarters at the moment, plus 0.75, which means a draw or a West Ham win, we get a full payout. If West Ham lose by a goal, we only get a half loss. And that's fine with me. Uh, I'm, you know, If Manchester United win this game, I can't see it being 2-0, 3-1, that kind of score. I think it'd be a 1-0, 2-1, and it'd be a really tight game. Um, and, I, and I'd take the half loss and, and just with the chance that West Ham get a point because I think that they're good enough to go to Old Trafford and, um, and really stall Manchester United. And I think the, you, know, the, you, you mentioned it there, they're playing Sheriff um, on Thursday. Is that away from home? It's at Old Trafford. Sheriff just fired their manager. Looks to be a yeah. shambles to me. So it's, it's still a fairly big game in the grand scheme of things, though. Um, yes, you know, they we play Associate the following week away. Yeah, uh, and that's for the that's for all the marbles to top the group effectively. If United beat Sheriff, um, and we saw them really struggle to. I mean, they didn't struggle against Ammonia Nicosia, did they? They created loads and loads of chances, just didn't score. Uh, but it was only until very late, and they, you know, they, you saw yeah, he played quite a lot of regular first team players in that game. If he does the same again, then all of a sudden you're talking about a team that's got four games in this or five games in the space of, well, this would be six games, wouldn't it? In the space of what, three weeks with pretty much the same team or at least the same spine. And that has to be seen as a positive for West Ham. And I know West Ham have got a, a conference league game on Thursday, but they're already guaranteed group winners in that conference league group. So they can really rotate on Thursday with a focus on this game. So even more reason for me to get West Ham on side. Um, and, you know, while I think Man United are improving, I don't think the gap between them and West Ham is warranted or warrants the price that they're currently at Manchester United. So happy to get West Ham on side. Uh, this is my best bet of the week. Might as well just Ooh. get it out of the way now. Um, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a competitive game, but I love the under in this game. Give me under 2.75 at minus 116. I'm happy to go down to under two and a half at plus 108 as well. United since that city debacle where Scott McTominay started over Casemiro, are a different side with Casemiro shielding the back four. I don't care if Varane's not playing, Lindelof in, fine, whatever. Against Everton, Awobi scored an absolute worldie. Other than that, never looked like they'd score. Clean sheet against Newcastle, clean sheet against Spurs. They never looked like they could score a goal if they played an extra 90 minutes in both those games. <laughs> Same thing with Chelsea, like some dodgy penalty off a set piece in the 87th minute. The back four is good for Manchester United now. Martinez about his height. Get away with that nonsense. I don't want to hear about it. Casemiro, his positioning, being that shield, he's worth his weight in gold for this side. West Ham might be able to create chances. If you watch this team play, they just miss so many. Jared Bowen, not in the form he was last season. If it's not Skamaka, who is it? 
Like, I just don't see West Ham being this free-flowing team that's able and willing to score goals just on a on a flip of a coin here I, I love the under in this game might be a one nil could go either way Jake I'm willing to give you that might be West Ham coming out on top but there's just not going to be much in this game the way I look at it and the fact that both teams play on Thursday I know it's Europa League I know it's Conference League but quick turnaround as well I love the under it's my best bet of the week no disagreements from me uh, I, I completely agree United's underlying metrics um, since the Manchester derby have been fantastic as well. So it's not just the actual eye test and the, and the clean sheets. They've been really, really good. And it makes you even more baffled as to why Casemiro didn't start in the derby. Yeah. What was Ten Hag thinking? Yeah. Mental. Um, but yeah, I, I happily get on the unders because, you know, the, the fewer goals there are, the more chance that West Ham, um, you know, do bits with the <laughs> handicap. I love it. I'm on the under for selfish reasons. <laughs> So those are your feature five. Let's run through rapid fire for the remaining weekend fixtures. 14th place Bournemouth taking on third place Spurs. Has the clock struck midnight? Has Bournemouth turned into the proverbial pumpkin? They fell 2-0 at West Ham. Back-to-back losses before they were undefeated in six. Now, Solanke's hurt. That's a big problem for a limited side anyways. No clean sheet and four overall for Bournemouth either. Spurs, I mean, Richarlison and Kulisevsky, with those two players out of the team, they just lack any attacking punch. Romero and Hoybier, both probably okay, but check their statuses ahead of this one. Back-to-back losses. Huge game in the Champions League Wednesday against Sporting Lisbon as well. And away from home, bang average, 2-2-2. Two, two, and two away this season. Although Harry Kane has 10 goals head dead last season was a nil nil final. Do you have a play in this game? Um, not a confident one. No, um, I got it down as no bet. If I was to have a lean, it would be to the unders um, mm. under two and a half goals. Looked a, a backable price. Bournemouth, not very good going forward. As you said, Spurs really struggling to create chances. So that would be a lean, but um, yeah, I'm happy to just sit and watch this. I wrote if Richarlison and Kulisevsky are ruled out, I'm hitting that under at plus 102, two and a half goals. Uh, I like the under if those two players don't play. 13th place, Crystal Palace and 16th place, Southampton. Palace, oh, a 3-0 loss at Everton. Um, They're 19.9 expected goals against in 11 games, the 11th worst in the Premier League. Defensively, they're all over the place. No clean sheets in their last three uh, against Southampton, who came away with a 1-1 draw against Arsenal. Undefeated in their last three overall, but they have the third lowest expected goals in the Premier League on the season. Is there a play here to make? Do you have a feel about this one, Jake? Yeah, give me Palace, minus 104. Um, they're a team, there's, there's a handful of teams really in the Premier League that I um, I think when they're a generous or backable price are must-bet material. Um, that's Palace, Brentford, which we'll get on to, Newcastle usually, um, and then Arsenal and Spurs um, are generally, obviously City, but the price is ridiculous. But the, those five are generally must-bet material for me when they're playing at home if they're a backable price. And I think Palace are this week. You know, you mentioned there their underlying numbers haven't been great this season, but if you look purely at the home process and the home form, it's been good. They're actually returning a positive expected goals process, which means they're creating more than their opponents on a regular basis. When you factor in that they've also played, you know, Arsenal and Chelsea at home so far this season, they've still put up positive numbers. Um, that suggests that when they're playing against the lesser teams, which Southampton are, um, they, they, they really are stepping up a level. So happy to get Palace on board and, and Saints aren't a very good travelling side, despite beating Bournemouth. Uh, to your point, uh, back-to-back home wins for Palace coming into this one were against Wolves and Leeds. If you put Southampton in the same category, probably. Yeah. Both results were 2-1. Um, I think there might be a little bit of a shout of both teams to score up minus 108, but I'm not touching it. No bet for me in this one. You mentioned Brentford. Let's chat Brentford. Uh, they're 11th place in the table, taking on 19th place Wolves, who simply have no bite right now. Two sides coming into this one, coming off 4-0 losses. Brentford, being called out by their captain, Ivan Tony. 4-0 loss at Aston Villa and a 4-0 loss for Wolves to Leicester City. But that coming at home. Brentford, the equation's simple. Away, they're bad. They don't have a win <laughs> on the season. Home, they're decent. Three wins and 12 goals for and six goals against in those games. Wolves, only five goals scored total. This season, no wins away, 
they've been dreadful. Their only point came in a goalless draw at Bournemouth. Yet, when it comes to the underlying statistics on InfoGoal, their league expected position, 11th. Perhaps you can explain that to me a little bit. Is there a play to be made here? Brentford and Wolves. Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned um, that about the home teams that I'd be backing and Brentford are another one. Very backable price. Um, you know, the what's not to like, really. Ever since yeah. they, they were promoted to the from the championship, their process at home has been fantastic. Again, we're looking at a really strong underlying process. 1.8 expected goals for, 1.46 against. And again, you factor in, they've played Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea at home, and they've still put up those numbers. Suggest that when they do get a lesser team, they, they generally perform at a high level. And I expect the same. Wolves are very much in that mould. They've not been that bad away from home from a, an underlying numbers standpoint, but they're just really looking, yeah, for, for a team with the nickname Wolves, they are very toothless, aren't they, at the moment? Um, and they, they're looking very tame. So, yeah, I, I just think that they're in disarray at the moment. And Brentford, one, like I said, one of the most bet material teams when they're playing at home. So, yeah, give me, give me the bees. Yep. Uh, no need to complicate things. No need to delve in any further. Brentford, home win. Plus 119, my second favorite play of the week here in this one. Seventh place Fulham facing 12th place Everton. Fulham coming off a 3-2 win at Leeds. Back-to-back wins for Fulham. Seventh place undefeated in three. Mitrovic has nine goals in 11 games. And Fulham has scored the fourth most goals in the Premier League. Yet, they have the worst expected goals against in the Premier League as well. They've got over the two and a half goal total, nine of nine. And both teams have scored... In eight of nine, Everton, I actually think they've been playing decent and they were rewarded with a 3-0 win over Palace. Calvert-Lewin, uh, back starting, scored a goal on the weekend. Um, yet, overall, the numbers don't look great on the season. The third worst expected goals against in the Premier League. Are you liking over the total here at all? I think I might actually have two plays in this game, Jake, but I'll let you play this first. Yeah, over two and a half, um, minus 112. That, that for me is is the bet in this one, mainly because of Fulham. Um, you know, they, they are, I think I said it at the very, very start of the season, I'm a big fan of Marco Silva. He's a very attack-minded manager um, that wants his teams to play on the front foot and that leads to a lot of goals at both ends. And we've seen that, you know, Mitrovic is absolutely flying. As an attacking unit, they're creating loads of chances. I mean, the last two matches in particular, over three expected goals against Villa and two and a half away at Leeds. Um, that's going to see your team score quite a few go- uh, goals. Um, but defensively, as you said, very haphazard, very easy to play against and, and open up, which has meant that their matches have been really fun to follow. Um, and yeah, Everton are an interesting case, aren't they? Because they're in really good form. Um, you know, they, they've lo- they lost three prior to the Crystal Palace game, but those three came against United, Spurs and Newcastle, three teams that at the moment sit in the top six. So... Kind of expected, I guess, um, against that level of opposition, and now back in their kind of weight class. Then you know, it'd be interesting to see how they how they do. They've got undoubted quality in forward areas, um, and we're starting to see the handbrake taken off a little bit. I think, um, which which should mean that they should become really fun to follow as well, um, and potentially one to keep an eye on because their the underlying numbers are looking much better than what they were. Um, last season so yeah I think they could contribute to a really high scoring game I think it could be a 2-2 could be another 3-2 something mm-hmm. like that because Fulham are involved I like the over um, I made two plays on the handicap plus 0.25 last week with United and Newcastle both came through I'm going to do the same thing with Everton at minus 114 you know if it's a draw it's a half win that's good enough for me because this game could very well end in a draw or an Everton win here um, so I like that bet Minus 114, Everton on the handicap, as well as the over in this one. Final match of the weekend, first versus worst. It's first place Arsenal hosting last place, Nottingham Forest. Uh, Arsenal coming off a draw, uh, yet at home, they've been absolute monsters. Five wins from five, expected goal differential of eight plus 8.8. They haven't lost in the last nine overall. They do play PSV in the in the Europa League on Thursday, and they've been the first to score in nine from nine. Forrest beat Liverpool. They had an XG in that game of 2.44. They didn't have an XG of that combined in their previous three games before that. The one significant change in the way that Forrest displayed, much better defensively. They've just conceded twice in their last four games. The handicap here is set at two. 
Is that too high to keep you away from this one? Because I know you like Arsenal at home. Yeah, it's, it's too high. Um, the, the midweek, I think they're stacking up for Arsenal. They're not looking as, as sharp. They're not that zest that we saw at the start of the season. Um, and yeah, I think we're starting to see the effects of um, you know overexertion, just general stack schedule um, on this Arsenal team. So I would be very hesitant at backing them uh, with with such a big handicap. It's actually no bet for me in this one. I, I think the, the the market is probably about right on the on the one x two market. I'm I'm not involved trying to get involved in Nottingham Forest at all. Um, yeah, and yeah, the goal line looks fair. Uh, the only one that may be of interest would be both teams to score no, but you're looking at a fairly shortish price there as well. So yeah, that'd be a watching brief for me on that. No bet for me. No bet last weekend in the Arsenal fixture. No bet in this one either. Uh, The last piece of business we need to go through is Jake's best bet of the week. And it is? My best bet of the week is going to be Crystal Palace to beat Southampton. Wow. uh, At minus 104. Uh, As I said, I'm very confident in Palace when they're playing at Selhurst Park. It's when that that place gets rocking when they're doing well. Um, and I think Southampton, yeah, they, I, I'm not a big fan of them um, at the moment. And yeah, Crystal Palace, I think their early season struggles in inverted commas are purely down to schedule. Um, once the schedule gets easier, I think they'll, they'll see them climb, climb the table and get into the top half. Excellent. Um, the only other thing we should let you know, Premier League predictions articles plus South American Soccer Insights returns to look ahead to both the Copa Libertadores final between Flamengo and Atletico Paranese and the World Cup with experts Simon Edwards, Peter Cotes and Tom Robinson. All that featured on Pinnacle.com. You can follow along on Twitter at Pinnacle, uh, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube as well. Myself at Gareth Wheeler. And Jake Oz with two Eds. Follow along on Twitter as well. And look out for Jake, dressed up as a future prime minister for Halloween this weekend. (laughs) I won't be the only one. (laughs) How do you dress that? How do you dress like that? Like one foot out the door, one foot in? (laughs) Something like that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good luck this weekend. No head-to-head battle. I'm going to miss it. This yeah, week. what a shame. Okay. Next week, maybe. Uh, odds were correct at the time of recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly. For Jake and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. This is Dean EPL Insights. <laughs>